We have been doing this series now. This is our second week. Great to have you back again. It's wonderful to have a, uh, to be in the house of the Lord with you today. But we're in this series, Gifted to Give, and we're talking about spiritual gifts. And if you were with us during our Christmas season, we did a pre-spiritual gifts series called The Greatest Gift or The Gift. And we talked about Christ as the greatest gift. And it was interesting as we talk about Christ as the greatest gift and then we talk about these spiritual gifts. Christ gives of himself so that we are given the Holy Spirit then to give these spiritual gifts to others. And so we've been talking about this, this tension of giving and gifts and all of these things. And I just want to go back to what we've talked about first before we get into what I think is the main text on spiritual gifts this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So if you recall, we talked about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it was says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. What a beautiful picture. As Christ descends and dies upon the cross, he gives the gift of salvation to us, his people. And then he ascends to the right hand of the Father and gives gifts to men. And this passage that Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians led us back to Psalm chapter 68. Because the wording in Psalm 68 in which Paul is quoting is changed from giving gifts to man. In Psalm 68 it says, and he ascended and received gifts from men. And David, we looked at in Psalm 68, was referring back to the day when Israel left Egypt. As God saves his people and freed them from their bondage, the Egyptians give all their goods and all their treasures to God's people. Literally, God's people plunder the Egyptians. And what do God's people do after they receive all these treasures and these gold and these gifts? They lay them at the feet of the Lord. And then the Lord distributes these gifts to build the tabernacle or the dwelling place of God. So we're linking spiritual gifts all the way back here to where God gifts his people these gifts as a result of his victory in salvation. And then the people present the gifts to the Lord and he gives it back to them To be able to build the dwelling place of God. Listen to what it says in Exodus 35.30. And think about these things and what we've been talking about. Exodus 35.30. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him 
with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. If you go on in, in chapter 36, verse 2, and, Mez, and Moses calls Bezalel and Aholab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. I love that statement. Don't miss it there in Exodus 32, 6. And everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. Is the Lord stirring your heart to do the work? Because he's going to equip you with the spirit of the living God to, to do his work, church. Isn't that amazing? So here we are today, and I'm giving you what we've done in the past. As God wants to build the dwelling place of God, the church, through the spirit, empowering people to do his work. Thus, because of the victory of Christ, he has distributed gifts unto man. And last week we saw we have been given those grace gifts to impart or to give them to others. As Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, to encourage or strengthen the people in their faith. So last week we defined spiritual gifts as unique supernatural abilities given to every Christian to build up the church for the glory of God. So today we turn our attention to 1 Corinthians 12, the main text on spiritual gifts. D.A. Carson actually wrote a whole book on spiritual gifts and he called the book The Showing of the Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if last week was answering the question, what do we do with our gifts? We are gifted to give, to exercise, to impart our gifts on one another. This week answers the question, are, what are these gifts? Okay? So let's dive in to see what God is showing to us in showing himself through the lives of people. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. You only got one verse this morning. So if you'll stand with me in reading of God's word, it's too in-depth to go even further. So we'll retract uh, in a couple weeks and go back to verse 1. But we're going to hit the main theme of 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, those chapters in verse 7 this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's it. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth of your word that in that get, you give to us, Father, as just an encouraging word that the cross of Christ was sufficient for our righteousness. And as a result of that, Father, you give us the Spirit 
And Father, we thank you for this room, the diversity of people in this room, the diversity of gifts that you have given for your church and for your glory. And Father, we pray that as we go today, as we hear your word today, that we would be encouraged and uplifted that the spirit of the living God lives inside of us. Father, and let it not be for our sake, but for the sake of one another and other people and lost people, that they may see the Lord in and through your church. Lord God, help us to see ourselves as you see us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, one of the things that is interesting to me is how, how real the Bible is, right? How raw the Bible is. If you, if you were trying to make yourself look really good, you probably wouldn't write some of these things about the patriarchs or write some of these things about even Jesus' own disciples, right? If you're trying to make yourself look really, really good, why would you say that one of your closest disciples doubted? Right? I mean, have you thought about that? And the authenticity of God's word is Jesus' own disciple, one of the 12, doubted. Even at the Great Commission, it says some doubted even at the resurrection. We call this person Doubting Thomas, right? as he doubts that Jesus actually resurrected from the dead. John 20, 25 recalls this story for us, and it says, So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. That's some kind of statement. And then after doubting Thomas sees the risen Christ and he puts his fingers in the nail-scarred hands and his hand in the hole in his side and Thomas believes, Jesus says to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. How many in this room have seen the risen Christ? You're blessed because you have not seen and yet believed. It's a reminder, though, of us today when we visit with people, when we talk to people about the risen Savior of Jesus Christ, of a reason why many do not believe. You see, the excuse can be, if only I could just see the risen Christ. If only I could just see God, then I would believe. God has great plans for that. Because not only has he made himself 
evident in his creation as he declares in Romans chapter 1, his eternal power, his divine nature are clearly perceived in the things that were made. God has shown himself to us through his creation. When we see nature and the created order in which things exist, we see that there is a God, that he is eternal, powerful, and that he has a divine nature. But God has also given to us his word. You see, the the word of God declares who God is. It declares his glory and salvation through judgment. It declares the glorious God and and so many find God is true when they read the scriptures. Many will find God in searching the scriptures because they speak of Christ. They point us to the gospel of Jesus Christ all the way through from the beginning to the end. It's pointing us to God's plan of salvation through Christ. And many will see God in another way. They will not only see God through his creation, they will see God through his word, but they will also see and find God through his spirit who manifests himself, how? Through his church. As simple as I can put it, God wants to use you to show others himself. Oh, let us begin as a church to pray for spiritual gifts, not so much so others can see how great we are, but they may see God and his work in and through his people as a manifestation of the spirit of the living God. You see, God has revealed himself to his creation. And one of the ways that he does that is through you, the people of God, through your spiritual gifts. So there are really three simple takeaways from the the verse this morning that we're reading, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given... This is our first point this morning. All in Christ are given spiritual gifts. All in Christ are given spiritual gifts. You may may never have known this. This may be new to you, but God is the good Father who lavishes gifts upon his children. And he lavishes himself to them to show himself to others. So to each, meaning every single person 
who is in Christ. If you have the Spirit, by God's grace, you are given grace gifts. These grace gifts, which we talked about last week, are to be given for the glory of God. I love that line in the Old Testament, which we read just a minute ago, puts it, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. They were given gifts to do the work that God had called us. And that each one is referencing back to verse 3. Each one. What are we talking about? Who are we talking about here? Let's look back at verse 3 in in 1 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So that each one here is one who confesses Christ as Lord. It's not just a saying this statement that Jesus is Lord of your life. It means that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And how do, how do we know this? It means that you live for the glory of God. Your confession is also your heart confession. Your desire is what comes out of your mouth. Your heart also confesses with your mouth. The reason I say this, that it has to be a living for the glory of God and not just a saying, Jesus is Lord is that scripture tells us that people can say Jesus is Lord without living under the special work of the Spirit in their life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. These these are some of the hardest verses in the whole Bible to hear. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, they are confessing Jesus as Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty, mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we need to be careful here. When we look at verse 3 and it says, no one can say Jesus is the Lord except in the Holy Spirit. If someone is sealed with the Holy Spirit of the living God in salvation. It cannot be taken away, but they must mean it. A declaration of Jesus as Lord means that they have given their life to Christ. They identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And now they live a new life. They're raised to a new life. They're a new creation because they died with Christ and now live with him. So those that are in Christ, each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. It makes sense. We die, Christ lives in us through the Spirit. So it is the Spirit's work that actually transforms that person who humbles himself under the mighty hand of God and says, I need Christ as my Lord. 
It is the spirit that transforms us into the image of Christ. This was all part of God's plan. When Jesus was on the earth, he said to his disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Lord, when he ascended, gave gifts to man. John 16, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper, he he describes later as the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit within us is actually better than Jesus beside us. It is to your advantage that Jesus goes away. He ascends into heaven so that he can give gifts to his church. It's to your advantage that you are given spiritual gifts. Why is that? Why is that, Rob? Because the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead now lives inside of his people. As Paul says, in Romans. John 14, 12, Jesus puts it like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And how do we do the works that Jesus did? In the spirit of the living God. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Greater works than Christ himself. Jesus says. Certainly not greater in power. I'm not raising anyone from the dead today, but greater in extent. But Peter did actually raise a woman, Tabitha, from the dead. But Jesus left this earth with 12 disciples. Think about that. Jesus died on a cross. He ascended into heaven. He left on this earth 12 disciples. It says, 1 Corinthians tells us that 500 people saw the resurrected Christ. So let's just say that it was 500 people that were following Jesus at the time. 500 people he left this earth. 12 that he really poured into. Yet, Jesus said, because I am giving you the Holy Spirit, you will be my witness, where? To the end of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus discipled 12 so that he could send the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. That the earth would be filled with the glory of God. You see? Jesus had a specific purpose and that was to die so that you may live. That the spirit may come and dwell in you. And you may Build the dwelling place of God to the ends of the earth for his glory to be shared. So each one is given spiritual gifts so that the spirit may glorify Christ, resulting 
in the work of God to the ends of the earth. All right, I think we understand the each, right? To each is given. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is our second point this morning. God himself is being revealed through your gifts. God himself is being revealed through your gifts. As we've said before, the word manifest is, it means to show, to reveal, to bring to light. And what is being manifest through your work, your service, your gifting for the Lord? It is God himself. The spirit of the living God. Think about that for a minute. God saves you. He washed you. He declared you righteous so that he can show himself through you, manifesting his spirit through the gifts that he gives to you. Church, you, you are saved for much more than to waste your life sitting on a couch. Church, you are saved for so much more than to waste your suffering in pity for yourself. Church, you were saved for so much more than to just be comfortable. Church, you were saved for so much more than to just be isolated because you're afraid of getting hurt by someone else. You were saved to live for the glory of God in community with one another. Jesus died so that you could reflect the image of God through the power of the Spirit working inside of you. You know, it's not natural to give to people. We've talked about gifted to give, and it's not natural inside of us to give anything to anyone. Why? What is natural is to take for ourselves what we want, what we desire, what's best for us. And yet the gospel declares that we lay our life down for the interest of others. Jesus himself is our example for that. It's truly a supernatural work in our life to reflect the glory of God in his, in his character, in his nature. So therefore, when we think of the supernatural gathering of believers who are gifted by the Spirit... We must have supernatural gifts given by God for each one that can produce a strengthening and encouragement to do the work of the Lord. <clears throat> what a joy and a privilege as a pastor. This is one of the, the great things as your pastor is to watch you reflect 
the glory of God in the lives of other people. The other day, one of our church members um, who has pancreatic cancer, she had a six-hour surgery the next day, and I was going to pray for her surgery. And I went by her house, and she had her, her team and her family with her. And I went by her house to, you know, go and try to bless her with a prayer and, and, and speak encouraging words to her. And I walk in the door, and she hands me a card. I'm thinking to myself, really? You're going into a six-hour surgery. It's going to be really hard on your body. You've got a lot of things to think about. And you're handing me a thank you card? <laughs> Praise the Lord for Karen. She's a wonderful lady. She's watching this morning, by the way, from her hospital. We can continue to pray for her. But she blessed me. Right there is the heart of Christ, right? She wasn't thinking about herself. She was thinking about me. You see, the Spirit wants to show himself in ways that you can't. You literally cannot do on your own. You couldn't even imagine doing. Why? So that Christ may be glorified in and through your life. If you look at all the passages dealing with spiritual gifts, and we're going to deal with these passages one by one in the future, but none of these lists, lists are identical. If you look at all, um, all 1 Corinthians 12, Romans, you, they're not identical. Why? Because I believe that Paul is showing that none of them individually or together are to be comprehensive, but merely examples for us of the gifts that God has given according to his grace to show his spirit. Paul even uses the term charisma, a gift of grace for celibacy. It's interesting. He uses the term charisma as a gift of grace for marriage. Marriage and celibacy are gifts of grace given by the Lord. To reflect his glory. One in purity and one in the gospel. It's Christ in the church. The oneness of God. Beautiful pictures of God himself. And their gifts given to us. To declare the glory of God. I think it is best to see the showings of the Spirit best exemplified in Christ himself. What did Christ do on the earth? He showed us what God in the flesh looks like. Amen? So studying the spiritual gifts, in essence, could be a study of the work of Christ. What did he do? How did he act? How did he show the character and nature of God himself? How did he show God in the flesh. Later in verse 27, <clears throat> Paul, as he's talking about these spiritual gifts, will declare the church the body of Christ. Look at verse 27 with me. 
Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And he's talking about the different diverse members. Everybody has different gifts. No one has the same gifting. And everybody needs everyone else's gifts to picture the body of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The character and nature of God on display as the church uses the gifts that God has given to us. So we are given these spiritual gifts as we come together to see Jesus. You see, myself, by myself, people have just a little bit of Jesus. But myself and you 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 come together, we get a fuller picture of Jesus. It's like a mosaic, if you know what I'm talking about. If you're an artist, you probably know what I'm talking about. I had to look it up. I'm not, I'm not that artsy, okay? I wish, I wish I had some art. My wife got me a bass guitar for Christmas. And that, if you know me, I'm, I'm kind of the sports, like, I'm staying my lane. <laughs> we'll stay there. Athletic, that, that type of gene. And now I'm moving to the art gene in which I can play guitar. We'll see how that goes. I'll let you know how it goes, okay? But it's like a mosaic, right? An artistic technique that uses tiny parts to create a whole image or an object. You've probably seen one where they take little photos and they create one big picture with little photos together. That's how it is in the body of Christ. And each part is reflecting just one piece of the glory of God. And then when you have all of the body functioning properly, it builds itself up in love. But God is pictured perfectly. Christ is pictured perfectly. And when the church comes together, each part is functioning And the Spirit is guiding and moving and people are seeing Christ. They're seeing the body, the hands and feet of Christ. The Spirit is revealing himself through your acts, through your giving, through your service, through your activities. We call it love in action. The next chapter Paul will write in 1 Corinthians 13 after spiritual gifts. Because if you just do spiritual gifts and don't have love, you are just a resounding gong. That's why he puts 13 in the middle of 14 and 12 dealing with spiritual gifts. Because we have to do it in the right heart. The heart of Christ. 1 Corinthians 13 is not there just so you can read it at your wedding. Just, just in case you thought that. Just in case you thought that that was the reason why it was there. It's not. It's there so that when you serve and when you do and when you work unto the Lord, you do it with the right heart attitude in love. Not for yourself, not for your glory, but for the glory of God. Verse 7. 
again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So all people are in Christ, are given this manifestation of the Spirit, this revealing of who the Spirit is, this revealing of God himself for the common good. So if you think that the Spirit is given for your own good, you would be wrong. The Spirit is actually given for the benefit of others. This is our point number three this morning. The gifts are given for the benefit of others. Not only are you gifted to give, by exercising or giving these gifts, you encourage others who are gifted to give. So think of the spiritual gifts as a snowball effect. For instance, those who are teachers are gifted to teach, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the teachers are encouraging others to do what? To serve and to teach. And they should invoke in you some type of passion or burden for some type of work unto the Lord. So if the teachers are doing their job, they're invoking in you to, to exercise, to give your spiritual gifts. For example, if you have the gift of mercy, when you show kindness and mercy to those in need, someone who has been given the gift of mercy may join you. In practicing or exercising that gift, they may see you and go, man, I I want to do that. God has called me to that ministry. He has called me to that. I see it. So in essence, when we don't exercise these gifts, we're hurting the body. We're hurting one another. The common good is not encouraged or lifted, able to produce even more gifts and manifestations of the Spirit of the living God. You see, the gifts are are given for others, not yourself, so that you can say, look how great I am. Look at verse 11 with me real quick. All these, he had lists a bunch of spiritual gifts in between 7 and 11. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the spirit gives these gifts as he wills. It's not based upon ourself or our abilities or how we want to do this, it's based upon the Lord, his work, his empowerment for his glory. So the spirit-empowered church becomes the hands and feet of Jesus as people give what God has given to them in the spirit to one another to be built up. I think we got that. John Piper says it very profoundly. And so I'm going to read you a quote from him. If you want to do good for people, 
you manifest God to them. If you want to manifest God and make him known, you do good to others. Because that is the way he wills to manifest himself. That's what it's like. That's what he is like. Then he goes on to say, the church is the place where these two things come together. The world often tries to do good for each other, but they leave God out. And so they do some temporary good, but no ultimate eternal good. And some Christians try to experience God's manifestations alone, but do not do it in the context of the interdependent body. And so they may have some ecstatic experiences, but they don't see God as he really is. Because he is the kind of God who manifests himself for the common good, not for individualistic religious raptures. So what are we doing here together, right? (laughs) We're experiencing God. We want to see the body of Christ. And when you exercise your spiritual gifts, I see Christ more clearly. And so does the world. You see, there's no Lone Ranger Christian. So when we say, God, help my marriage, God, help my kids, help my guidance in my life, And when we're disconnected from the power source in which God has distributed his gifts to his people, then we have a problem. We can't say, God, help me, and then disconnect from the power source, which is the people of God in his church. So God wants us to understand he has gifted us. To give to one another in the body of Christ so that we may show the spirit for the common good of one another that God may be glorified to the ends of the earth through the power of the spirit in you. It's an incredible message that Christ died for you so that God himself could indwell in you so that you could look as you were created to be in the image of God. And we do that by spiritual gifts. Giving. Of the empowerment of the Spirit to do things that Christ would do. That He did. So if you're here this morning... The call is to awaken God's people to give your lives to one another in the local church. That's the call. If you're not a member, Maybe you should be one. If you're not baptized into the body of Christ, maybe you should be baptized into the body. And when we mean baptized into the body, we mean you, 
you declare, I live for Christ and now I am a part of his church. Maybe it's a call to some, instead of living inwardly, to look around to see the needs to which God has uniquely equipped you to fill. Remember last week we talked about spiritual gifts and, and not thinking as much about what is my spiritual gift, more about where has God put me in my life that I can use what God has given me for his glory. That's what we see in the manifestation of the spirit. And I pray in my prayer for you, the church is that this week and the weeks to come, you will not only see God in the lives of his people, but you would show the spirit in your own life by submitting to the words of truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God, understanding of these spiritual gifts that you have given us. You are the great God who has claimed victory over sin and death. And now you give to us the spirit of the living God to empower us to be the body of Christ, to be your church. And now, Father, we want to live for your glory in service to an incredibly good and great God. Help us to live our lives for one another. Help us to not waste our life Help us to serve all of our days for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.